0: The views and opinions expressed during this program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WHIO and Cox Media Group. This hour is sponsored by There is a Season. This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, everybody. Dayton is our number one priority. You know that. And as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. Dayton's all news and talk is 1290-957-WHIO. There
1: is a season. Welcome to There Is A Season, the show about how we change, how we age,
2: and how we care for one another. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. Thank you for taking some time to be with us today. We won't be taking calls for this show, but you can write to us at any time at Bob and Gloria at thereisaseasonshow.com.
1: Well, this has certainly been the summer of protest as we've uh, all been exploring issues of justice, issues of race. Issues of law enforcement and the role that law enforcement plays in our society. Issues of economics and a recurring call for socialism, especially by our younger citizens. We've also seen chaos and turmoil in our streets as protests and marches have turned into something else with well-organized and well-funded groups taking advantage of what seem to be lenient city leaders and in some places, hesitant police forces.
2: Much of that turmoil has, as you've seen, been directed at private and public property, including the defacing and damaging of buildings and particularly the destruction of statues. Some of the violence has been perpetuated by opportunists and a general condition of lawlessness, leading to the injury or death of many innocent people, including children.
1: Now, even if you leave the more reckless opportunistic actors to the side for a moment, and there have been plenty. In other words, those who would take advantage of any civic disorder or a catastrophe, like a weather catastrophe, or an earthquake, or any other kind of social unrest, there's always people who seem to come out of the woodwork for that. We can focus in on those protesters and rioters, many of them younger, white, degreed, Unemployed, or perhaps marginally unemployed or employed, depending on how you want to look at that. But there's a lot of rage. They seem to have a lot of rage and a lot of disrespect for authority, tradition, and history.
2: There seems to be a total lack of knowledge of history in many of these cases as well. Yeah,
1: and it seems to be like a lack of an ability to distinguish good acts from bad acts. Uh, in terms of some of our historical people, what I'd call throwing the baby out of the bathwater, there's a lack of an ability to contextualize or understand what may have gone on in history in the past. Uh, I see a lot of young people on TV forever applying today's, you know, new woke standards to yesterday's ills, uh, desiring change for change's sake. And continually looking to radicalize and agitate and tear down the establishment, kind of like we had in the you know in the late 60s, early 70s. There seems to be a lack of an appreciation for the fact that some of these issues that people are complaining about today have been deliberated in the past. Uh, they've been researched. There's been philosophical discussion. There's been debate. We had different customs, and there's been an evolution that's gone on, you know, just to get to this point.
2: Yeah, there's also been this inability to process or accept differing perceptions or opinions even about history, the present day, you know, economics and culture, right? Definitely a lack of critical thinking. Yeah, yeah. It's just spout, 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 spout. Right. And there's this fascination with language and media whereby having a presence on social media and in, you know, an an adoring lead and click hungry, not really news, mind you, right? Oh, you it's mean just those things entertainment, right? Right. right. Yeah. Um, this click-hungry mainstream media laps up anything that is said or tweeted or acted out without even any question or clarification. It seems right.
1: And and I've got uh, I've had a few relatives, even younger relatives, who called it protest speak. You know, there's just <laughs> they're just people spouting on the camera about whatever comes to their mind. and They throw these phrases together, and all this has been unfolding on our TV screens. And just prior to this, what did we have? Well, we had the COVID lockdowns with some states more extreme than others, but with nearly all of our nation's students shunted into some form of distance learning and looking at the two populations the kids at home, uh, glued to their Chromebooks and then the other older kids and young people, young adults rampaging in the streets. It occurred to us and it's occurred to others that there is a connection here that was unfolding before our eyes about America's youth has been gestating for some time.
2: I think a lot of parents have started putting two and two together, Bob, and even seen the connection to all of this unrest, right? They have witnessed firsthand potentially what their kids have been studying before it seemed a lot of parents were on autopilot with regard to their kids' education and curriculum. Not so much anymore. No. In many cases, I
1: believe. Yeah, when you, when you saw a kid working on, especially what we used to call history a long time ago, well, actually even in my time, the word social studies had crept in, right? History isn't taught anymore. Uh, yeah, people started hearing studies, firsthand. Right. Yeah, social studies, right? <laughs> um, so we came across an article here, uh, which is called, The Schoolwork My Kids Are Bringing Home Exposes Public Schools' Radical Leftist
2: Politics and it goes like this Mom, can you look at this assignment a few weeks ago before the Wuhan coronavirus pandemic forced my school-aged children home? I looked at the homework sheet my high school-aged child was referring to and quickly realized what prompted the question The freshman world history reading assignment was about parents raising quote-unquote babies as in T H E Y B-I-E-S.
1: Scratching my head, (laughs) I read through the assigned article, which included definitions such as gender is a social construct, followed by leading questions asking students to regurgitate gender theory. This is young students now. Mm -hmm. The next day, my child received an assignment that taught him about critical race theory before he read an article about when black singer Lil Nas ex's song, Old Town Road, was kicked off the country music charts.
2: This class that all this was going on? Physics. Really? So we ask, what are my kids learning, right? Needless to say, now with my kids home and me overseeing their daily e-learning, this is a great opportunity to take a deeper look at the left-wing theories on race and gender, not to mention climate change that public schools are pushing on my children. So she says. So
1: just just getting into this article and now we've heard uh, here about gender, we've heard about race, uh, right off the top, and Mm. uh, we'll we'll tell you how you can get a hold of this article here at the end of the show, but uh, it goes on to say, over the last several years, my children's schools have pushed for equity, which usually starts with a survey or audit about school climate. And they don't mean the temperature in the room, do they, Bob? No, well, that would be the green equity survey. This is just the regular (laughs) equity survey. Of course, the, ideology, uh, the ideologues hired to do the surveys always find that certain groups feel oppressed. Why, uh, why else would you do a survey, right? You gotta find who's oppressed. And thus, interventions are necessary to create what they deem as safe learning environments where everyone feels welcome. But only certain dimensions of identity politics, particularly race, gender, and sexuality, are measured. If you are shy or not cool, You are on your
2: own to figure out how to feel welcome. Schools also push equity agendas by targeting any disparity between racial groups. These disparities are generally blamed on systemic racism and subsequently require an equity intervention through training programs, such as those offered by Pacific Educational Group, Corwin, or any other number of consultants in the multi-million dollar equity consulting industry. These groups typically provide courses on how to address the complexities of dismantling white supremacy, or how to use critical race theory to establish cultural relevance between teachers and students in the racially complex classroom. Our neighboring Chicago area school district, she says, even tested or even used federal Title I funds earmarked for low-income students to send school board members to this type of training
1: okay so thank you for tuning into there as a evening if you need another cup of coffee before we go on <laughs> to get your brain firing uh, for all this vocabulary you're going to hear a lot of this kind of thing today uh, even just these last couple of paragraphs are things that are somewhat foreign to a lot of people's ears uh, but a lot of parents particularly who are now concerned with what are they concerned with going back here in the fall they're worried about their kids health they're worried about,
2: Policies for social distancing. Is my kid gonna mask? Right? Is- they're worried about if they're even gonna be able to to work the whole plan out. You know, with maybe a hybrid system of this day on and this day off. There's a lot of concerns right now. Which of course is a, an enormous
1: scheduling issue right, for right, parents. Exactly. Right. Exactly. But what we're driving at here today and, and it's, we're connecting it a little bit to what you've seen then on TV in terms of the, the acting out at the large scale level with some of these protests and the, the destruction is what has actually gone on in the classrooms? What is going on in the classrooms in many, if not the majority of schools today? And parents had a chance and maybe continually will have a chance, and this could be a good thing, to become closer to the content, to learn what's going on. I think we saw some of this when the language started to change about, uh, well, one of the early books on this was Heather Has Two Mommies, you know, which was, came out 10, 20, 30 years ago. I forget what it was. And whatever your position might be uh, on the whole idea of gay marriage or, or, or couples adopting and so forth, that was a radical thing for the time when it came out. That's actually considered pretty, you know, pretty tame stuff by today's standards mm-hmm. in terms of Uh, the alphabet soup of gender identity, you know, and sexuality. And of course, this is the summer where we're talking a lot about race.
2: Race, that's right. Yeah, I even remember, Bob, when my son was in kindergarten, who's now almost 28, that they were told one day, point blank, you cannot say to anybody, you know, you need to sit Indian style because that offended someone. Right. So it was crisscross applesauce. Yes. I mean, it's really just gotten... It's crazy
1: so there's well and it's going on now there's a, a debate again this summer about whether the washington redskins in in the nfl who have been and the cleveland indians yeah, right. have and hold out uh and i guess you can have some of that debate but our question and what we're focused on today is how did we get here what is the education that is creating this environment where these are the main things that kids are hearing so much about often at the expense of other kinds of learning right Well, what they found here, and again, we'll share this article. It's called The Schoolwork My Kids Are Bringing Home. Uh, They talk about these equity programs and how they hurt students. It goes on to say, my children's high school defines equity as, quote, every student should have access to the resources and educational rigor at the right moment in their education, regardless of race, gender, ethnicity, language, disability, family background, or family income. Now, at first glance, that sounds good. Any decent parent would be horrified if the school were denying their kids the resources they need to succeed. But if you read further, you find language that states equity quotes, uh, quote, confronts systems of advantage and disadvantage based on race, culture, uh, their background, gender identity, sexual orientation, ability, socioeconomic status, religious beliefs, and other forms of identity and if that sounds like Marxist identity politics, well, it is.
2: Equity at its, at its core is based in left-wing critical race theory that assumes institutional racism and oppression pervade every corner of society and necessitate the redistribution of resources based on, quote, oppressed status. It is, it is sold as a warm fuzzy idea of helping kids succeed. But it serves as a gateway for training teachers on how racist they are, reducing academic standards, exchanging traditional cur- curriculum with more culturally relevant material, and fomenting resentment between groups rather than promoting the safe school climate. These equity plans say that they so desire. So, have
1: you taken a look at your kids or your grandkids' curriculum? Has this uh, COVID season, uh, or the sum, you know, now this summer of unrest? prompted you to look into what your kids have learned? Have you noticed changes in your kids as they become young adults about what they say and what comes out of their mouths? We'd love to know. Write to us at Bob and Gloria at show.com as we talk about this and more when we continue. We'll be right back.
2: You're listening to There Is A Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's news and talk.
0: It's an Ask the Expert weekend on Dayton and Springfield's 24-hour news, weather, and traffic station, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.
1: Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We're talking today about what's going on in our society this spring and this summer, and whether there's a connection between what is unfolded in the streets where it seems that not only is there righteous anger and protest, but there seems to be a staggering lack of respect for history a lack of, you know, no knowledge of history as you've seen this indiscriminate trashing of statues. We're also wondering what are kids being taught in school and some parents have been able to get firsthand knowledge of that by listening to what their kids are doing in a way they haven't in the past. So we're talking about an article called The Schoolwork My Kids Are Bringing Home and how it exposes public schools radical leftist politics. It's by a lady named Beth Feely and we'll tell you where you can get this article a little later on, but it continues.
2: Equity is even being used today as an excuse to not teach the coronavirus or to not teach during the coronavirus pandemic such as in Washington state and Philadelphia if you can't teach all kids equally well don't teach at all really thankfully these schools are rethinking their strategies after the department of education issued this memo they could look at the kip academies a leading charter school network which serves low income and rural students it is distributing Chromebooks and even using buses to distribute and pick up paper-based assignments where students lack an internet connection.
1: The worst failure of these so-called equity programs, which are, faced, uh, are, are focused so much on identity and this redistribution of resources to kind of ameliorate some of these perceived shortcomings or, or oppression, which is identified any place, is that they don't improve student performance in Evanston, Illinois, the district student performance uh, measurement there dropped after their school board introduced its radical equity program. This is the same district where teachers heard a presentation on why meritocracy is a myth. In other words, striving for any kind of achievement or competing for any kind of thing based on your own natural skills, it's somehow a myth. How does that
2: benefit a child trying to climb the economic ladder? So she continues schools are likely to continue e-learning efforts in the upcoming weeks and months as we continue through the pandemic parents use this time when your children are home to find out what they are learning it will be interesting to see how many parents discover that kids do not have to be in a classroom to learn and that they have options especially if the curriculum in their schools is pushing fringe race and gender theories on their kids so,
1: when we come back after the news, we're going to talk about something a little bit different but related to this. We urge you to get a hold of this article. Again, it's called The Schoolwork My Kids Are Bringing Home and How It Exposes Public Schools' Radical Leftist Politics. Beth Feely, F-E-E-L-E-Y, is the writer who put this together as a part of its 1776 effort. When we come back, we're going to be talking about what happens then and where these kids are getting this information. What are, who, who are their teachers? How are they in terms of their leanings of left or right? Uh, and we have some stats that may knock you out of your chair. All of that and more when we, con- when we continue.
2: You're listening to There Is A Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7, WHIO, Dayton's news and talk.
0: It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic 1290 and 957 WHIO Dayton's news and talk. WHIO This is WHIO's Brian Kilmeade. Hi, this is Rush Limbaugh. This is my home. In the Miami Valley, Dayton is our number one priority. You know that, and as news breaks, we'll break in anytime. 1290 957 WHIO.
1: Welcome back to There is a Season. I'm Bob.
2: And I'm Gloria.
1: Remember, you can catch this podcast and any podcast out at There is a Season a few days after its airing. You can also write to us at Bob and Gloria at There is a Season or use our handy in touch tab at the website if you'd like to comment on this program. We're talking today about the connection between what you've been seeing out there in the public and hearing a lot about in the streets this year. We're not so much focused just on the the question of race or what happened with George Floyd, but we're we're talking about the larger reaction, what has seemed to go on, and we're not even talking about the opportunists and the people who just want to loot and and violence for violence's sake, but a lot of this stuff that we've been hearing about socialism and and
2: unrest and the tearing down of statues and all, and all of that, right? Right, and 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 for me, even in speaking with people that I know, their their shock and awe in hearing that they're supposedly conservative, you know, reasonable thinking says, oh, well, absolutely, Mom, look what's going on. Where did they get these ideas? You mean the that, kids that, of, the, yeah, of the people? Yeah, that it's okay, yeah. that it's justified. right? That's it's just shocking, I think, to so many, and we wonder, where did all this come from?
1: So we spoke earlier about this radicalization that's been going on in education, in our system here, for a long time, and uh some of the programs that people maybe have become more intimate with when you're watching your kid or hearing your kid do assignments from home during these lockdowns and you may you may be more focused on it in the future what exactly is being fed to our students and does anybody ever stand up and say wait a minute hold on time out i don't agree with that well it's it's hard because you're swimming against the tide and we can show you some numbers here we'll discuss this now with um, some evidence that has been shared by a number of people including john ellis who is a professor emeritus at Santa Cruz, at the University of California, Santa Cruz, and by other people who've worked with the Heritage Foundation and the Cato Institute and so forth, that talk about what's happened with teachers, both at the higher education level and in secondary, or even K through
2: 12. And we'll get into that in just a moment. So University of California, Santa Cruz professor emeritus, John Ellis told Life, Liberty and Levin, Sunday, that protest of events featuring moderate or conservative speakers on college campuses are just a, quote, superficial symptom of the indoctrination taking place in America's classrooms. The public sees the shutdowns and the near riots with regard to visiting speakers, but it doesn't think about how that could happen, Ellis, author of the recent book, The Breakdown of Higher Education, told host Mark Levin.
1: Mark Levin, of course, does the program on Sunday evenings on Fox News. Uh, we forgot to tell you that, Life, Liberty, and Levin. So we're, we're doing a quick summary of that interview here, uh, which works well to connect to our point here. Uh, Ellis goes on to say, the reason this happens, of course, is if you've got students largely doing it in those cases. Students are the ones driving a lot of this, but they're being taught by radical professors. So the real source of the problem is in the classrooms where those kids learn their contempt for ideas that don't fit within what their professors are teaching them. You think about that soup that your kid is in all the time and what the professors are saying.
2: According to Ellis, studies have shown that conservatives were prevalent on the faculties of colleges and universities by about a three to two margin in the late 1960s. By contrast, liberals outnumber conservatives by as much as 13 to 1 in modern times.
1: Yeah, and and we'll share more about those numbers in just a second here, um, about what's happened in that trend. But the real problem, says John Ellis, is way behind the scenes in the classrooms, which the public never sees. Mark Levin noted in the interview, the often incestuous relationship. Uh, between college faculty members and that they tend to only associate with those of their like thinking and hire only those who agree with their extreme ideologies. This is backed up by statistics. There have been a number of organizations who have studied the hiring patterns of uh, faculties going back over the last 50 years and as John Ellis pointed out there the ratio of Democrat leaning to Republican-leaning faculty in 1969 was about three to two skewed toward the Democrats. By the end of 1999, when they ran these surveys again, the ratio had shifted five to one toward the Democrats, or liberals, let's put it that way. In fact, one of the surveys that was done pointed out specific fields within, within the area of study,
2: and professors in these areas had the following ratios. So economics, um, like 4.5 to 1. History, 33.5 to 1, almost 36. In journalism and communications, 20 to 1. Law, 8.6 to 1. And psychology, 17 to 1.
1: So think about your young college student there who may have studied (laughs) economics, history, journalism law or psychology and may i throw in also that is it is really occurring also in the hard sciences you find this sometimes in biology you find it in in physics as we mentioned earlier in the show in chemistry in math you wouldn't think you'd see this kind of skew where the where the faculty members themselves are so heavily skewed to one side but the numbers right now according to statistics where they survey about 7,000 professors a year, say the ratio is about 13 to 1. In certain parts of the country, it's even higher. It's 28 to 1 in New England. What's even scarier that John Ellis points out in that interview is the hiring that a lot of full-time faculty have now done for assistant and associate level positions, where the ratio is 48 to 1, leaning left to right. So have you suspected that there's something weird going on in college when your kid goes off to get their experience? Well, your suspicions are confirmed. The hiring is skewed
2: massively to one side. Right. And Alice agreed and predicts that colleges will soon become a complete monoculture with unhealthy results for our society. Yeah, so
1: so that's happening there. Now, the the scary thing is it's also happening kind of at the, the, the lower levels. Why have, uh, we have another article here called How America's Children Became Progressive Political Activists. This appeared with The Federalist, and it asks the question, why have many of today's young people become so politically active, particularly for far left causes? Well, they talk about what's going on with a lot of American youth, and they've done a lot
2: of studies about this. Trends show America's kids becoming farther left The New York Times ran a story in early 2019 documenting that Gensers and Millennials are more progressive in their political outlook than even baby boomers, especially on social issues. Pew Research Center did a national study published in 2019 of almost 11,000 Americans of the silent generation, baby boomers, Gen Xers, Millennials, and Gen Zers. Generation Zers. Well, I call them Gen Zers. No, that's fine but, put it okay. game, It found, does anybody even know what all these are, right? We did that show a long time. Right. It found that Millennials and Generation Zers as well. is pretty Gen were farther left than earlier generations, and that even Republican-leaning members of these groups were more leftist-minded.
1: The question is, how has this changed? Why has this changed? The easy answer is that so many young people are enrolling in colleges and universities where their left-leaning professors are strongly influencing their points of view. There's data, as we just said before, that also back that up. Another contributing factor is parental influence. Psychology Today documents that over the past 20 or so years, parents have been teaching their children that they can succeed at everything just by participating. The participation trophy syndrome. For at least 20 years, many parents have been coddling their children, not forcing them to deal with the
2: realities of a competitive world. Yet as long as we have a capitalistic society, which by definition is competitive, young people won't be rewarded for just showing up. This parenting style came a cropper recently when parents were found guilty of putting their thumbs on the scale for their children's college admissions. A lot right? of the Hollywood mm. folks, yeah. With this indulgent parenting, is it any wonder students buy into the reinforcing political reality that their teachers are painting
1: now we just gave you college stats about faculties and how they are distributed left versus right on the continuum it's also known that a lot of k through 12 teachers face the same kind of distribution in terms of their political preference and their donations to causes History sadly reveals the overwhelming effects education can have on young people's social orientation. News is now filled with stories of Chinese indoctrination of college students, many of whom come to the United States to carry out espionage on our campuses. So that's another kind of extreme, but research cited by the Pacific Research Institute documents that most K through 12 teachers, teachers lean liberal and vote Democrat by an eight to one margin. This is a different study now from what we talked about before. Another study, indicates that K-12 teachers vote Democrat on a 10-to-1 basis. Teachers unions are overwhelmingly leftist and fund the Democrat party exclusively, supporting its social agendas.
2: So a good example of this is teacher strikes, in which teachers abandon their jobs, often for weeks, forcing administrators and temporary teachers to cover their classes. In 2019 alone, there have been teacher strikes in Arizona, California, Virginia, Connecticut, Colorado, West Virginia, Kentucky, and Oklahoma. And teachers are not the only education strikers. It has been estimated that in New York alone, more than 1.1 million students went on strike from their schools on September 20th in support of the United Nations Climate Action Summit.
1: And of course that was sanctioned and, and okayed by the school administration and by the board and by the superintendents in these areas to allow a million students would you see the same thing for the right to life protests in january every year no, no you would not so there's definitely a skew here if it's an environmental concern right so there there's a double-edged sword uh, also of social media and how it affects our young people today young people have grown up with and become inextricably attached to social media And when coupled with their desire for both belonging and attention, they're easily exploited for a lot of these woke causes. They want to identify with them. Right.
2: For example, Leftist Help fostered the National Gun Control March For Our Lives event organized by Everytown, the Brady Center to Prevent Gun Violence, and the Giffords Law Center to Prevent Gun Violence. It was abetted by 42 West, a national public relations firm and received funding from Michael Bloomberg and Delta Airlines, which provided more than 1,000 free tickets to Washington, D.C. for participants. Tellingly, Everytown's motto is, quote, to harness the power of young people across the country to fight for sensible gun violence prevention policies that save lives.
1: Now, if, if you want to back Everytown and you want to believe in that philosophy, that's fine. But is the alternate side of it also getting light uh, in, in the day? Uh, Nowhere was mentioned, for instance, in this entire thing, uh, the deeper reason for a lot of these gun deaths. That was brought up by Andrew Pollock, who was the father of Meadow, one of the victims in the Stoneman Douglas shooting uh, by Nicholas Cruz in Florida. In the new books, Why Meadow Died, he blamed social justice mindsets in the Broward County School Board and the president's education policies at that time that mandated restorative justice in public schools. So we're talking here about a lot of things that that are very content-based and where on the spectrum are your teachers? We've read some stats here that talk about whether they vote Democrat or Republican, but understand what is happening in our streets today, what you're hearing in the media today, what you're hearing on social media has not happened by accident. It's been inculcated, it's been um, pushed down a lot of times by teachers, and it has been for the last 10 to 20 to 30 years actually it goes back more than that but that's you don't have to get into that on in another show
2: such an easy platform for it, right they spend most of their time in a classroom right right, right.
1: we'll be back with more right after this
2: you're listening to there is a season on am 1290 and news 95 7 whio dayton's news and talk
0: It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather and traffic, 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News
1: and Talk. Welcome back to There's a Season. I'm Bob. And I'm Gloria. We've been talking today about the connection between what you're seeing this, this summer of unrest. We can't call it the summer of love. It's anything but the summer of love. And what's what's been going on in classrooms here for the last, it really goes back to the 50s and 60s, but that's a, a longer conversation. More recently, you, what people are finding is this enormous skew toward leftward ideologies, and we're encouraging you to take a look at your kids' schooling. Uh, but where is this coming from? You know, who's providing this? Well, it's the training that a lot of teachers are get, And even at the college
2: level, when you talk about history, what's it called now? Social science. Social science, right. right. So consequently, in these history courses, A captious approach to U.S. history is taken with an emphasis on pointing out the social and economic injustices that, in the minds of liberal faculty members, define our nation's history. At At the same time, in college, teacher candidates are immersed in the concepts of equality, diversity, and social justice in education. These core principles have, in many respects, become the foundational pillars of modern public education. And this holds not only for teachers, but also educational administrators.
1: And this has spread to many, many walks of life. So a lot of this educational stuff, if you pull up, um, one of the topics is the 1619 Project uh, that the New York Times has been involved in to completely redefine how our history is being taught to our young people. Uh, instead of it being a more classical approach that deals with various periods and talks about things that really occurred everything is put within the context of either social justice or race or gender identity and how today's woke attitudes and insights can redefine what actually occurred in the past it's a weird way to think about some of this and with so many of our young people emerging now as leftist adults. What we have to ask is what is going to happen to our country 10 years from now, 20 years from now? You know, that's really one of our biggest concerns.
2: Yeah, as the Zen master in the Charlie Wilson's war film was found, found of, fond of saying, we'll see, but things do not pretend well for our nation in the near future. Socialist Democrats, such as Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, are garnering considerable support from Democrats. For the 2020 presidential race among others many now look to ocasio cortez as the de facto leader of the democratic party
1: and uh, we're, we're almost out of time here but you're if you look at most of the polls now what used to be considered uh something that was an affront to the american way of life socialism is now embraced by as much as half of the democratic party maybe a lot of republicans also i don't know And a lot of people have got this positive view of socialism. There's a lot of confusion out there. What's being left on the side of the road, though, is a lot of our traditional teaching about where this country has come from. We have plenty more. If you'd like to know about anything we've discussed today, write to us at Bob and Gloria at thereistheseasonshow.com. That'll do it for us. Remember, dear friends, seek grace in every step and never regret growing older. For my friend and co-host, Gloria Shanahan, who's not a far liberal. Thank goodness. For our terrific producers and everyone who makes the show possible, thank you for your time, attention, and interest to what we do here. We'll see you again soon. You've been listening to There's a Season on AM 1290 and News 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk. Have a blessed week.
0: It's our Ask the Expert weekend on the Miami Valley radio station with breaking news, weather, and traffic. 1290 and 95.7 WHIO, Dayton's News and Talk.